Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I am joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. Res... Ooh. <laughs> Resser Reese, but also Resser Reese. Keep it in, you know man. What? We're live, baby. This, I, I want to interrupt right here. I want to interject. This is the first big shocker I'm going to throw down right now. Oh, no. Uh, you know what? Put, put a pin in this, Armando. I want you to finish your very next thought because I know what you're going to say, and then I'm going to interject with something. Like, wait, like go back to this is Reese, a.k.a. Referees? Yeah, go back and say it. Okay. And this is Reese, a.k.a. Referees. Uh-huh. Keep going. What else are you going to say? Oh. Keep going. And here we are, season three. <laughs> so... Armando alluded, this is season three. As you can tell, it's been a few weeks since we've done this. But as you can see, my name has become as stale as an open bag of Lay's potato chips, as an overnight Coca-Cola bottle without a cap on top. And I was wanting to propose as our first giant thing for season three. A new three, name for Reese? I think it might be time to change referees. I mean, we can't, but I mean, referees, it's, it's perfect. Well, okay, so we'll put this up for a poll. A few that I was thinking about that might work. Uh, I could be the uh, the the beast incarnate or the yeast incarnate Bach Lesnar. I feel like if if no one knows that we are Kansas City Sports and Craft Beer, they would be adverse to yeast incarnate. I don't know. I think it's pretty perfect. Okay, fine. What if we cut it down? What if we just one, dude? What if we just cut it down to Bach Lesnar? Bach as in like the musical composer Bach? No, as in like the beer Bach. Oh, okay. Like Doppelbach. Okay, like Doppelbach. Yes. Bach Lesnar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Option two. I can see you're not swayed by that one. Uh, I would now like to go by the name uh, Meta World Reese. Oh, I love Meta World Reese. That's. Lo- <laughs> I mean, I'm more biased because I'm a Lakers fan. And I think that's his real name now, right? No, he has a new name uh, now. Very well could be. I think he went very back well to Ron Artest, but I don't know. Okay, I like I like both of those. As If you can come up with another tag for Bach Lesnar, then I like it. Another tag for Bach yeah, Lesnar? Come up, okay. Come up with another first tag instead of the yeast invader or whatever you just said. The, the, the yeast incarnate, man. <laughs> No, dude. Because, <laughs> like, what if we're doing a, like like a Chiefs Raiders podcast? We don't do any craft beer, and it's like someone's first time listening to the podcast. And I go, "Hi, my name's Hatek Mato, and here's the yeast incarnate Reese." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that works, man. Although, if we do like beer interviews only, exclusively, like on a certain episode, then that will be your name. I don't know. All the uh, Bay Area and uh, Denver Area fans are lighting it up for East Incarnate. They know what's up. They know what's up. Yo, East, well, anyway. East Incarnate sounds dangerous, bro. Oh, gosh. I'm going <laughs> to flip my desk just you saying that. Dude, that fills me with so much rage. Oh, that, that was so dangerous of you, Invader Yeast Reese. That girl is so dangerous. <laughs> 
Well, before we get canceled for saying anything we shouldn't be saying on here, um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is season three of Found City Sports Media. We took a actually a two week hiatus. We we put up an old episode a couple weeks ago of Wyatt Mills, uh, uh, still a Seattle Mariners um, pitcher who we will have on later on this season, possibly. I've been in touch with him, so hopefully get him on. Anyway, took another week off, and now we're we're locked and loaded, and we thought we would just go straight out of Chiefs season and talk about other things. But boy, have football, specifically the AFC West, just dominated national sports news. Like, like for, forget March Madness. Forget the NBA. Forget NBA Twitter. Like, it is still football season. So we're excited because we get to still talk about things. Uh, Reese, why don't you tell us some more about season three? What is what's going to be new for us? Oh, man. So we're unloading this as like a multi-phase plan where I think you have to trust the process, if you will. Uh, so we're going to be unloading more content on you this year, this season than ever before. First, last, and foremost, you should follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at Fountain City SM, but now also on YouTube as Fountain City SM, because in just a few short weeks, we'll be uploading our podcast in video form on YouTube as well. So if you want to get a look at these beautiful mugs of ours. You can find them on YouTube now. So that'll be a thing. That'll be a thing. Other things going on. Armando has alluded to it like late last season. We are now going to be on TikTok as well. Yes, we, we, we now have a, a TikTok manager, Uncle Drew, uh, a.k.a. my brother, a.k.a. Andrew, is a TikTok aficionado. Follow him at the Metal Health Counselor, uh, but also follow us at, at Fountain City SM. Uh, he'll be um, making those videos for us. I have no idea how to make them or how the robots make those noises on TikTok, but apparently it works. People love it. We're rolling with it. Not only that, but Reese, I actually, this is, this is going to be be new for you um i've been active on our twitter account and i forgot that we had a twitter account so i ditched my personal account and made it into a fountain city sports media twitter account so i've just been like every day just been going with chief's twitter and just rolling with it so follow us on there because i actually post a lot on there (laughs) that's pretty sweet you've been trolling uh, tyron matthew at all no, like I haven't been doing anything controversial, but like I I I will make takes on the Twitter, but they're nothing like, you know, I'm not going on Kevin Durant's burner account. I'm not going on Tyron Matthews stuff. Uh, I'm not going on save our chiefs, you know, dot org and sharing their articles. So, yeah, I'm keeping it, I'm keeping it pretty PG kind of. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a good test for Save Our Chiefs is like feed them fake information and see if they spin it into an article. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Eric B. Enemy is just two kids in a trench coat? <laughs> or just two Danny DeVitos. <laughs> Dude, Danny DeVito. Remember back in season zero? Season, we talked- season oh. zero. By the way, Reese, how can people find season zero so they know what we're talking about when, when we make inside jokes about Danny DeVito? I'm going to be honest, guys. If you like lore on programs, I'm talking there's a bunch of lore on stuff like Game of Thrones. The best animes are built on lore. You can find a lot of lore and inside jokes of this podcast by checking out patreon.com backslash FCSM and becoming a friend of the podcast where you can find currently all of season zero 
uploaded. Now, speaking of season three and new content, Armando and I officially want to put this in your brains that we will be starting a campaign stretch goal to get more subscribers on Patreon than ever before. We are going, uh, we'll have the parameters put together for you for next week's podcast. Check the receipts. But uh, we have a campaign going and it's going to be pretty great. It's going to be very exciting and uh, it's something that you're going to want to be a part of. So check back in next week. Hopefully we'll have YouTube podcasts up and we will for sure have a Patreon stretch goal campaign to share with all of you. Yeah, I mean, this this definitely won't be like the like PBS telethon where you got Michael Jackson playing and then you have the PBS telethon, like, please donate $1,000. But we are going to be a little bit more PBS hotlining so that we can reach our goal, get some money for the podcast and build it, right? I'm not going to buy a Rolex with your money, I promise. I'm not going to buy uh, Madden 2023 with uh, with Dan Sorensen's face on the front on the front cover. Like, I promise. This, this money's going to go to good use we're just trying to build our brand trying to build our name uh we definitely have some people in the kansas city sports industry that have that have been in contacts with us which is actually pretty cool so know that if you are going to donate um we are making a name for ourselves and we are locked and loaded for season three reese i haven't seen you in two weeks tell me uh tell me some fun stuff about your life that i've missed oh man so in two weeks uh i've rolled the odometer over into age 31 so i got that going for me that's that's right yeah <laughs> reese's birthday that was that was super fun so yes uh, tell us about your birthday uh, i'll summarize it in two things the first thing is it was 70 degrees i can't remember the last wow. time i had a birthday on march 5th that was over like 35 and drizzly i think it may have been back when i was in high school Sun's like, out guns out i wish so here's the thing here's the thing it was like 69 degrees, I know for a fact, because I went, nice. <laughs> nice when I started my car. Uh, but also, nice. it was very windy and damp heavy, because we had like a winter storm coming like a day and a half later. So like, even though it wasn't tank top weather nice, it was like, yo, I can be out here in like a baseball tee and some shorts. I'm like, this is a big W as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but the day went well. I ate a bunch of donuts for breakfast, and then I had beer donuts at city. from where? Uh, from Donut King. Shout out to Donut King. Uh, probably for Donut King. Down, to be honest, is Donut King in uh, North KC? North KC. Head down Armor. Uh, like if you're heading towards uh, what is it? The Argosy Casino area, kind of towards Shoto. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's actually owned by a uh, WWE official. By which I mean like. Actually, now it's a, a double official. He was one of the, like the in-ring officials, you know, like the guys in the zebra stripes and all that. Oh, wow. But now, but now he's like an actual like WWE official, like executive something or other. So, oh wow, and he owns a donut shop in North KC. That's that's pretty dope. Yeah, I, th I think he's from OP originally, but we it's gotta, awesome. We got to get him on the podcast. Hey, if we can get him on the podcast, pretty sweet. Be pretty sweet. Uh, so anyway, I, I had donuts for breakfast. Uh, City Barrel. For lunch, I had some some delicious yes. Chipotle buffalo wings and a, a flight of some delicious beers. And after that, I went to the Fairway Meat Market down on Ward Parkway. Did you ever go there? Mm, no. It, it may have been something else while you still lived here. So if you go down towards the Trader Joe's on Ward Parkway, can you picture that? Yeah. 
So there was always a small meat market to the left-hand side. Oh, I yeah, uh, M- M- McGonagall's. Yeah, so Fairway, which is a grocery store chain in Iowa that Kansas City sorely needs, which is a podcast in and of itself, uh, has always had notoriously fantastic meat as far as like supermarket meat goes, like untouchable. And they are now franchising out just like mini butcher shops, sort of. So I had never been there, so I went there, got a bunch of fairway brats, a bunch of fairway burgers, and then I had Aladdin Cafe for dinner, and then the nice. next day, my stomach reminded me I am 31 and not 13, <laughs> so have fun with all that trash food you ate yesterday, yes. you loser. Tiki, tiki masala, donuts, rainbow Be- IPAs. Yeah. I saw some of those beers you were drinking. You got, you had a smattering of samples. I did. I did. I think the best was a, it was like Boombox. Oh, what is it? It's that rotating hop series. You've had it. It's the, oh yeah. Uh, we had it when I was there with you last time. Yeah, it's like it's like transcontinental boombox or something like that. Volume eight. So, <laughs> yeah, nice but- man. All right. Well, happy birthday to referee slash yeast whatever slash Bach Lesnar. Dude, I oh I, we could have just changed it. I don't know if he yeast incarnate. I could be the Reese incarnate Bach Lesnar. Uh, let's keep yeast for now until we find something else. It's just funny. Yep. <laughs> yeast incarnate. Uh cool. All right. Excellent, man. Yeah. And I uh I've just been chilling. Not much new, just uh doing some singing stuff. I'll be in New York for quite some time, so I'll be um podcasting live from Bingington, New York in a red roof in, and it'll be a lot of fun. And hopefully the internet's good. <laughs> Dude. That's singing opera is probably the classiest thing that's ever brought someone to a red roof in in Binghamton, New York. <laughs> and like there's like five of us going as well into the red roof in. So, yeah, we're we're we're, we're going to cause some cause some havoc out in that red roof in. Dude, that's awesome. What, what else have you been up to? You had another gig last week in like Steamboat Springs, right? Uh, oh, actually, Steamboat Springs was really awesome. Yeah. So um, did a children's show with Opera Steamboat, which was really cool. But they put us up with some really awesome hosts. I had an amazing host um, who, um, yeah, we basically just drank wine every night and chilled and they made amazing food. And if you've ever been to Steamboat Springs, Steamboat Springs, probably it's like in between Vale, Aspen, like hoity-toity super wealthy people and like i don't know frisco like another mountain town that's a little cheaper like idaho Springs. so it's it's Mm -hmm. like a really good mix of yes it's a very expensive and unaffordable place to live but it's not like so crazy like aspen or vale where it's like you can't go to any restaurant you can still have fun at restaurants great breweries too in fact our friends from sunflower state fc uh recommended a brewery out there i don't know how they know steamboat springs apparently they do but uh they recommended storm peak brewing went out there had a great time um in fact, their Kolsch in a can was my favorite beer. Uh, they had some great beers on tap, but man, that Kolsch was hella crispy. Super great flavor. Good crisp. I, I didn't bring a four pack, so I can't review any. Um, yeah, I'd, uh, because I was on the job and I was trying to learn stuff, I didn't really like buy anything. But uh, but anyway, the brew is really good. Shout out to our guys, Sunflower State FC, and shout out to Storm Peak Brewing, Steamboat Springs. Dude, that's awesome. All right. Yeah. And with with that all said, Reese, shall we get into sports now? Because boy, has it been heavy. Okay, let me let me preface the whole Russ thing. So, like I said, I'm on Twitter, right? And I'm posting stuff and uh, for Fancy Sports Media. And I forgot what who who broke the story. It was probably I think it was Pat McAfee or it was uh, Schefter. 
But anyway, I was just trolling on um, Twitter, and then I see the post that Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Packers and going to be the highest-paid quarterback. By the way, Aaron Rodgers said it was BS that people said he was trying to be the highest-paid quarterback, and look what happened. Um, how dare you, Aaron Rodgers, but we shouldn't be surprised about his antics. Anyway, so the first thing I post immediately, I, I do a quote tweet, and I say, sucks to be a Broncos fan. <laughs> Dude. And then I, I did I did at Broncos and like hashtag Chiefs Twitter and like like yeah hell yeah. Literally five minutes later we get the news. Russell Wilson to the Broncos for Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, two first round picks, two second round picks, and I, maybe they threw like a fifth or a sixth in there as well. Uh, and then I go, oops, I think I jinxed it. <laughs> Well, I don't think anybody would be telling the truth if they said that when Aaron Rodgers re-signed to the Packers, we all thought, ha ha, Denver lost their dude, which I think is true. I think Denver did want Aaron Rodgers. I think they offered this totally. exact same deal to the Packers. They said no. So then they're like, all right, plan B, we're offering it to Seattle. Like That was in the works this whole time. But I'm just going to say. Part of season three is I'm going to incorporate more of my roots into this podcast, by which I mean professional wrestling. So, like, oh, here we go. If you Bach want to Lesner. know, th- this is the football equivalent of like a heel turn or like a surprise in professional wrestling. I'm going to give an example. It happened to AEW like uh, six months ago now, but there were two wrestlers that everyone was like, I think they're going to sign and they'd be huge signs. And in traditional fashion, at the end of a pay-per-view, that's when like someone like that would run out. And lo and behold, music hits. One of those wrestlers runs out, and they're like, oh, holy crap, he's going to sign with the company. He's going to fight these bad guys. And like he's about to fight the bad guys and save the good guys getting beat down until he turns around and starts wrecking on the good guy. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, no, he's here, but he's a heel. How could this be? The good guy's doomed. And then all of a sudden, more music hits, and the other guy comes out so that is exactly what happened here is it's a twist we all thought Aaron Rodgers to Denver was going to be the big thing so when he wound up not signing with Denver we're like okay we're safe right with the chair in Seattle that is uh that's how I felt driving yesterday when I found out the news (laughs) <laughs> yeah um yeah we let, let's just go ahead and, and break it down because you're right like Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos big red flag right and we were like oh my goodness this is going to be so difficult and then obviously now Russell Wilson in there it's an interesting debate now right because I think definitely Aaron Rodgers no question Broncos um, maybe not Super Bowl contenders like top three, but definitely, you know, top five in the AFC at least, right? We we put them in that conversation. But with but with Russell Wilson, I'm not I'm not feeling the same way, right? Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are not the same. But national media not only national media, but even like Chiefs media, Kansas City sports media, um, are talking about Russell Wilson in this sense that now they are the undisputed number two in the AFC West. And not only that, but now they are immediate Super Bowl contenders. Reese, to you, with Russell Wilson, and now Noah Fancon, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Meh. Are the uh, we'll see. Are the Broncos Super Bowl contenders? I mean, yes, if only in the sense now that they're good enough to make the playoffs and they're a good team. 
so yeah, I'd say they're Super Bowl contenders in that sense. I don't think they're like Super Bowl or bust this year. I think with Aaron Rodgers, they would be that way. And I think with uh, maybe with Russell Wilson from, I don't know, 2017, I could say that the Super Bowl contenders. But Russell Wilson, ever since the Let Russ Conk movement of the last three years has been a thing, <laughs> like he has not been playing like a top 10 quarterback. And we got to remember, he's not old. He's only 33, right? 33, right. But and he signed a five year or wait, what? Oh, actually, we don't know what he signed. No, he's probably going to get a new contract built in the next uh, right, 18 right. months. Sorry, Aaron Rodgers, the five year. My bad. Continue. And while Russell Wilson is certainly more capable and has a higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater than Drew Locke. He doesn't have the ceiling of Aaron Rodgers. At least he has not shown to have a ceiling near Aaron Rodgers for the last three years. So I think now they have a lot of pieces with, for the first time since Peyton Manning, a competent quarterback under center. But I think there's a lot they got to take care of before we can say that they're Super Bowl level contenders. I'll say AFC, give another fourth place in the AFC West, and they're going to have a fourth place schedule this year. Yeah, I think they're AFC West contenders. I don't think they're number one seed in the AFC contenders let alone Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, this 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 one has a lot of angles to it, and I'll, I'll kind of break down all of them shortly. So Broncos were already... Uh, oh, I don't want to say they were a threat. Sorry. What do I want to say? The Broncos were already, like, decent, right? We, you and I wouldn't have been surprised if a Broncos with Drew Locke would have beat the Chiefs one out of two times because they had a solid defense and it looks like most of their defensive guys are going to come back and it looks like Von Miller is probably going to come back to the Broncos so their defense is legit now let's go to their offense why is everyone saying that the Broncos are Super Bowl contenders with Russell Wilson Jerry Judy Tim Patrick Cortland Sutton but they were not saying that about the Seahawks offense with Russell Wilson Chris Carson Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. What what about this Broncos offense with these young guns is automatically now Russell Wilson is a top three quarterback, a Super Bowl contender. Why weren't we saying this about the Seahawks offense? Now, granted, the Seahawks defense has been terrible for the past five years, but that's no excuse for their offense not being dominant for the past three or four years. So what what is making people think that Russell Wilson with Tim Patrick is now going to be a Super Bowl contender. So that is my big argument is like putting the offensive core with Seattle versus this offensive core with the Broncos. It's it's really not better. Maybe it's even because they have Javante Williams and and Melvin Gordon playing really well, but they are not superior to that Seahawks offense at all. Well, another thing to remember, too, is Melvin Gordon's going to be a free agent this year. They, they got to re-sign him first, last, and foremost to have that two-headed right, he's monster. he's going to be too expensive. It, it's very possible. There'll be other teams, you know, wanting his services going on. And <laughs> Chiefs. Kind, and kind of like you said, the, the Cortland Sutton, uh, Harris, and Patrick, all those dudes, they're kind of unproven. Like, we've seen that they can be right. good. And they have, I mean, to their credit, they haven't had a good quarterback dealing to them yet. But it's, I mean, it's not like they have some dude. I mean, look at a, look at Stephon Diggs. Even when Stephon Diggs was playing with, you know, kind of a more limited Case Keenum level quarterback, Stephon Diggs still bald. He was a known commodity. Sure. Goes and plays with Josh Allen, bald. None of these guys on Denver have bald yet. And speaking of which, you said it's not that big of a deal. They lost a top 10 tight end in Noah Fant. 
Noah Fant was part of that ensemble that people said was such like a hot commodity piece that was going to like develop into what's going to take this team to the next level. Him being gone now is going to affect him in the passing game more than I think people really expect it to. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there that Noah Fan is a really good asset. Although I will say that a lot of Broncos fans and Denver fans really like um, Albert O. And the reason why they call him Albert O is because I can't pronounce his last name and no one can. Um, I'll try. Akwuganam. Anyway, his name is Albert O. And for the last half of the season, he actually was very impressive. And he actually looked almost better than Noah Fan. So I think they're okay without Noah, although that's a big hit. And I feel like they could have gotten some great value for Noah Fant, right? Like if they would have just traded Drew Locke and maybe, I don't know, honestly, Bradley Chubb hasn't really been proven on that defense. Maybe switch Chubb and then try to flip Noah Fant for like a, a first rounder or something to kind of make up for it. Because if the Russell Wilson project doesn't work for the Broncos, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, like they they just gave up two first round picks, two second round picks, and their fifth pick, and they and a really good asset in Noah Fant. Like, I'm sorry, but if the Russell Wilson thing doesn't work, if if Justin Herbert gets better, if the Raiders trade for someone that's better than Derek Carr, um, this is going to be really hard. Which segues into the AFC West. But before we do that, um, shall we put a button then on? We both don't agree that the Broncos are. Um, Super Bowl contenders there may be AFC West champion contenders well I want to jump one last thing in there we've talked about their offense so far but I don't think enough is being said about the defense everyone's saying they have this elite defense hold up I'm gonna stop you right there they had this elite defense you know what's happened since last year they've lost Von Miller they lost potentially their best defensive lineman in Shelby Harris and they lost the brain of that defense Vic Fangio and traded him for a quarterback coach in Hackett. That's a good point. Why is everyone saying this defense is just going to pick up where it left off last year? I don't think that's being talked about enough. Yeah, no, that, that, that's actually a really good point about Vic Fangio. You know, even though he wasn't a great head coach, he was he was a very good defensive coordinator. Obviously, oh, yeah. as a Chiefs fan, we know that. Like, he gave us huge fits. I would say the only people that will translate are their are their cornerbacks, right? Jeffrey Simmons and then also um, Patrick Sertan. Really great corners. But is are, 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 is the secondary going to lead your defense when you have problems on your front four? Not only do you have problems on your defensive front four as a Broncos fan, but you also have problems on your offensive line, which... Look, if you don't have a good offensive line and you're playing uh, Chris Jones every night... Um, uh, Max Crosby and whoever the Chargers have like you're playing them six six times in a season good luck trying to get the ball out Russell Wilson so we'll see what happens there let's segue then into Reese I want you to rank the AFC West now from one to four um in terms of best teams oh man this is really hard and this might come as a shock to you I think on paper, I think the Broncos might be the best team. Like in just just in terms of the better pieces than the Chiefs have, on paper. It's better than the Chiefs on paper. I'm gonna get to that in a second. Reese. I think second best, depending. Bach, Bach Lesnar, what are you doing to me? I, hey, I'm just being real here. So here's the here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Chiefs, as I said at the end of season two, really got as far as they did this last year on house money and like good opportunities. Unless this is going to be one of the most important drafts of the Andy Reid 
era. Maybe since his first draft with the Chiefs. Wow. In that there are now glaring holes on this team that we can't just slap a Band-Aid over. We can't just throw a sixth-round lottery pick at. We can't just pick up a Jag practice squad and think we can groom him into like a passable-level starter. We need a running back. It can come in the third or fourth round, but we need a running back. We need a wide receiver, too, because outside of Tyreek Hill, I love me some Byron Pringle. I think McCole Hardman has a Debo Samuel spot in him, but Denver right now runs at least three receivers deep that I'm like on any given play, that receiver can get a six-yard catch. We run one receiver deep that I trust on any given play can get a six-yard catch. And Travis Kelsey, you know, he's getting a little bit older. And again, the tight end is not the same thing as a wide receiver. And I'm, I'm not even going to begin on the defense, which we all know we have to fix that defensive line because it's, it's really bad right now. And we're likely losing two of our top four people in the secondary. So on paper before this draft, I think Denver has the pieces to win the AFC West this year particularly with that fourth place schedule they're playing. I'm going to say, oh, you know, I'll let you hop in. I'll let you hop in. Um, oh, man. Y- okay, so you make sound arguments, so I don't think that your arguments are bogus, but I do think that you putting the Broncos number one, so many things have to happen or go wrong for us and the Chargers that – I just see that as a scenario and not a likelihood just for myself. That's fair. like, like, yes, you're correct. And we'll get into the unrestricted free agents um, in a bit. Uh, but a little sneak preview. You're right. If we lose Tyron Matthew and Traverius Ward and we do not replace them with someone equivalent to them, right? Tyron Matthew being a pro bowler, even though he didn't play as good as he normally does, he's still a pro bowler and Traverius Ward a pro bowler as well. So if we do not replace them with pro pro bowler talent, then yeah, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Absolutely. Because Russell Wilson, um, even though he has also digressed, can still throw the long ball extremely well and probably one of the best that throws the long ball. So uh, Jerry Judy against Dan Sorensen, <laughs> Jerry Judy again, or sorry, Tim Patrick against Dan Sorensen. Um, who else am I forgetting? Cortland Sutton against Dan Sorensen. Yeah, they're going to catch at least two of those during a Chiefs Broncos game. So I get it. I get what you're saying. But I actually have the Broncos third. Really? I have I have it Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos. I think that Chargers team last year was a fluke. I still think because they were one game away from making the playoffs. And obviously a um a Chargers team against the Bengals, that's different, right? That mm-hmm. game is gonna be different. So I like Justin Herbert. I like Keenan Allen. I love Mike Williams. They just get back. And both of us love Austin Eckler. That's a really good offense. That's a really good offense that even against a good Broncos defense, a a Chiefs defense, like is going to is going to cause havoc. So I have the number two. And of course, I'm just I guess I'm biased. I don't know. But look, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, still number one. Okay, that's fair. No, I I think you're I, I I agree with you. I think on paper, I think the pieces on Denver are more there. They have less question marks than we do. But fair again, I, I'm going to agree with you on this. If we rank the quarterbacks in the AFC, Denver only leapfrogged Las Vegas. Russell Wilson is not better than Herbert. I don't know if Russell Wilson's ever been better than Justin Herbert in his career. I think he's very overrated. He, no, don't get me wrong. He, he's good. 
They are not worse with Russell Wilson, but all those years of, oh, I think Russ is a top three quarterback in the league. I'm like, where are you getting this? Where are you getting this from? (laughs) So then that takes us to second place then in the AFC West. And I think, again, if we're going to talk on paper, I think the Chargers and the Chiefs are probably closer than we want to admit. I think the Chiefs have better high-end talent, particularly in I don't think the Chargers have a player as good as Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. But again, it's like the Broncos, on offense at least, they have fewer question marks than we do. They have two or three big body receivers that can get them six yards on any play. They have a pretty decent tight end, and they have Austin Eckler. I think it's going to be kind of a space race to see who can fix their defense first because that is the thing that held the Chargers back last year is they had a very right. bad defense. And injuries, too. And injuries. Not 2018 Chiefs bad defense, but it was still a very bad defense. So, again, I think it's going to be a very important draft for the Chiefs and the Chargers because, Lord willing, I think those two teams are set more for the next decade with their quarterbacks, whereas I think Denver right now is in a race to the next three maybe four years with the team, with Russell Wilson's age, and with basically punting on the next two drafts in this trade. I was going to say, Russ Russ at 37 with these hand problems. Mm-hmm. They be- I'm just saying they, they better hope this team gels really fast and that Hackett is as good of a coach as they seem to think he is. Because after the next two or three years, the Chiefs and Chargers are still going to be standing and still going to be going. I'm not, I'm not sure I can say the same about the Broncos or about the Broncos. Yeah, I, I was I was talking to a friend of mine that's a Broncos fan, and I actually agreed with him that I think that the Broncos are going to try to do something like like the Rams did last year, where mm-hmm. they just went screw it, this is it. You know, we we have a we have a quarterback that we really enjoy. We have you know a very brilliant head coach. Let's just go all in on some of these free agents, and it worked. Look, even with even with oh. OBJ getting the ACL injury during the Super Bowl, it's all still work. So I would foresee, because the Broncos do have the salary cap to do it, I would foresee them just going full out, like trying to pay Allen Robinson, trying to pay JC Jackson, trying to pay, you know, all these, you know, top free agents, trying to get a couple more weapons for Russ and see what happens, uh, which would be pretty scary. But anyway, continue your. So you didn't, did, did you definitively say that you had the Chiefs second? Uh, no, I, or are you doing a two, three, uh, toss up chiefs uh, chargers? Uh, yeah. Two, three, two, three toss up. And this, this is just on paper. Cause again, you have to remember this. This is what sucks the most is that the chargers who are, you know, pretty close to us in terms of talent on paper are playing not a second, but a third place schedule due to that late season collapse they had which, again, was more like self-inflicted shooting themselves in the foot injuries than getting beat by other teams and coming back down to earth. I mean, that team can still play. Herbert is still a top three quarterback in the AFC. So, I mean, this is going to be a real turning point year for the Chiefs, which is why I said they have to draft this well, and I think they have to keep team morale high because coming off of the way that AFC title game ended, and then if they wind up falling to third place and having a really rough season this year, it's like, Suddenly, you're going to have to write the ship morally and in finding players. And at that point, it might be like, are we cutting ties with B enemy and Spags and just kind of doing a soft rebuild on this team? Okay, so with that said, let's um, let me um, follow up with that then. So the Chiefs have to play all these guys twice. Uh, so that's six games total, Reese. Give me a AFC West 
prediction with the Chiefs record. So what what is going to be the Chiefs record? Because to I'm just going to precursor to be four and two would be miraculous for any of these teams. Uh, so what so what do you have if you had to predict? Like you said, you're just going off of what is on paper and what these teams look like on paper because we don't know what's going to look like in the next couple of weeks. We may have J.C. Jackson or we may have you know Allen Robinson that's going to change things. But today. Today, March, blah, blah, blah. I won't say what day it is, depending on when we cut this. Um, what is the Chiefs' record against the AFC West? I think they split with Chargers and Broncos and sweep sweep Las Vegas. I think that's very possible. So I would say division-wise, we go 4-2. and two. I think Chargers go 4-2. and two. I think... Denver goes three and three. I think they split with all of the teams in the division because I don't think they're that much better than Vegas. Like I said, a lot of this has to do with the fact that they're playing that fourth place schedule. So I see them with a better overall record, maybe one game worse in the division. Yeah, that's fair. I'm going to be cliche and say exactly what you said. Four and two, but with the caveat and hot take, and kind of going off of your um, things are not as green as they look. Look, in in a very likely scenario, we lose both games to the Broncos and we lose both games to the uh, the uh, Chargers as well. I really? mean, both both games that we had with the Chargers last year were already nail biters. It's not like they're getting any worse. Um, there's potential that we may be a little less worse if we don't have Traverius or we don't have Tyron Matthew and we don't replace them, or even if we don't sign Melvin Ingram, right? Those are all like things that matter. Um, so there is definitely a scenario we could lose both. And there's definitely a scenario where the Chiefs are gassed. I mean, the, the Chiefs can be absolutely gassed this year, and, and not only against the Chargers and the Raiders or and ch- the Chargers and the Broncos, we can get gassed against the Raiders. Like, who's who's to say Josh McDaniels isn't going to come out there with a really good game plan with Derek Carr? I mean, not that they're going to blow us out, but like every week is going to suck for the Chiefs. Oh yeah, there 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 is. I think maybe we play the Jets. I. I forget what our schedule is, but I mean, we like play the Jets once in the Panthers. Every other game is going to suck, though, and there's going to be no games off, right? Maybe someone's dealing with a hamstring and he's going to make them play and he's not going to let people sit when we have like, especially with the AFC West the way it is now. We also can't afford to say, oh, Tyron, you don't feel good today. Yeah, let's go ahead and have you sit. Why don't we have us? Uh, Sorensen, why don't we have Neiman carry the load for this game? We did that a lot in the first half of the season, as as we saw, and look what happened then. Now we got a really good one through three AFC West. Um, yeah, I think injuries are going to be a big issue next year, and I think uh, fatigue is going to be huge. So in a in an alternate world, or not even alternate world, in this world, in this life. We can go 0-2 against the Chargers and the Broncos. So, yeah, like you said with the schedule, I'm, I'm looking down on it. Now that Russ is with the Broncos, we've essentially traded one tricky game against Seattle and two easy games against Denver for two tricky games against Denver and one easier game against Seattle. I mean, th- this schedule really doesn't let up. The only easy teams in the schedule I'm seeing really are Houston, Jacksonville. Oh, man. I mean, I- I'm digging here. Houston, Jacksonville, probably Seattle now. 
And depending on what the Colts wind up doing at quarterback, if they draft Ooh. a rookie, I think that won't be an easy game, but it'll be like a bit more of a breather game. But I mean, if they wind up getting Derek Carr or one of these free agent quarterbacks on the market, then suddenly again, Indianapolis is probably a top five team in the AFC. So we got the Rams on here. We got the Chargers twice. We have the Jamar Chase, Cincinnati Bengals, um, both teams from the NFC title game last year. The Bills looking for 13 seconds of heaven against us. Oh, buckle yeah, up, it's baby. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. We need some young legs. legs. Reese is right where this draft is going to be really, really important. Uh, stay tuned on more content on the draft, though. We're going to have a lot more on that um, in the coming weeks. Uh, but next up, Reese, we are going to talk about the unrestricted free agents in the next segment. But before we do that, Reese, let's talk beer. Let's crack open a beer because I know you on your birthday had a good time and maybe you forgot about those good times but you did buy some memories to crack open today it's everyone's favorite time of the podcast and for the first time in season three it's this week in craft beer the segment of the podcast where we stop, talk about what's going on this week in craft beer, and also review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. This week's story comes to us nationally. Yeah, this is a, this is a big one. So th- this is kind of fun and interesting. So Armando, I'll give you the cliff notes on this story. Uh, Stone is in a legal dispute and taking Miller Coors to court. Because starting in 2018, Keystone Light cans now say stone on them. Have you noticed that? Uh, Now that you said it, yes. The cans, uh, like Keystone Light, basically say stone light, which uh, according to Stone Brewing, which we all know is a huge macro brewing craft brewer, uh, the Stone's attorney says that the craft brewery's business has declined $174 million since Keystone Light launched the Stone Can. You're kidding. <laughs> That's How? A- it's, it's a totally different like type of beer drinker, though. I mean, th- that's what I'm having a hard time getting to. And like the packaging's not even similar. The stone packaging is like very domestic. It's blue. It's got that. Uh, how do I even describe that font? It's a very Bud Light looking font. Whereas stone, a lot of theirs has that like distinct weird like gargoyle on it. Right. Right. And it, just, it but this argument makes no sense because pretend let, let's actually do it both ways. Pretend I'm a Keystone Light drinker. And I go to the store and I see that Keystone Light is now stone. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I go back to the store and I'm like, hmm, are these the same brewery? Maybe they are. Let me try my Stone IPA now. And they try a Stone IPA. It's going to be so different from the Keystone Light that that drinker is going to be like, what the hell is this crap? And then vice versa, someone that drinks Stone should already know that Keystone Light is not going to be a stone IPA. That's very, that's very strange. Well, <laughs> and that's what's tricky too, is I, I can, in these articles, I can't find anything saying like, if they just feel like they have 174 million in total losses since 2017, which I mean, in that case, you got to look closer into the numbers too. Then I'm not looking at their books, but you know, 
2020 and 2021 has been hard on the beer COVID. industry as a whole. So, you know, if, if you want to be like, well, we lost potentially $100 million last year and then maybe another $74 million over the last four years. Like, no, 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 no. A lot of like the macro level craft breweries haven't been doing so well. Like if you can maintain plus or minus two or 3% on your sales, you're doing really well right now. Yep. So, I mean, is, is this possibly them just kind of grasping at straws? <laughs> I mean, it could be. Even though they're using that argument, maybe it's just that they don't want anyone else to have the name Stone, which is fair. Sure. I mean, True. even if it's not in like even if it's not infringing on the quality of my beer or my customers, I still don't want like it's like us, you know, say like a really crappy <laughs> a really crappy podcast calls themselves Found City Sports Media. Um, actually, no, that's different because maybe they will take some of our viewers, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know. It just, it doesn't make any practical sense because the beers are literally night and day. They're literally Kansas city chiefs versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So one thing that stone is kind of using to add to their case here is that in 2017, Keystone Light tried to patent the rights to the term stone through the U.S. Patent Trademark Office, but they were denied due to the similarity to stone brewing, yet Miller Coors still decided to move forward with the rebrand regardless. So even though they couldn't patent it because it was too similar, they decided to use it. Um, So obviously this isn't a case of cease and desist copyright infringement. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done this and they would have been caught four years ago anyway. Right. But yeah, it's an interesting case. I will uh, keep tabs on this one and see how it plays out because <laughs> I would like to believe that the Stone fan base and contingency does not think that they went from making gargoyle donned IPAs to American light lagers, but crazy I things would, have happened. I would love to see that reality show where um, I will not judge someone that drinks Keystone, but um, whoever you think would drink Keystone, I would love to watch that reality show of them accidentally like chugging a stone IPA, like a double stone IPA. It's 11%. <laughs> Why is there only four in this pack? It's supposed to be 12. <laughs> Skipping on us. Yeah, geez. Oh, that's funny. All right, Reese. Well, that was a pretty good article. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, for more of those. We will do that every week and we will have news about the crap beer industry because as you all know, and if you don't know, Reese currently works for boulevard brewing company so he is right in the thick of one of the best craft breweries in the world um so we love to talk about craft beer not only do we have to not only do we like to talk about it but we like to drink craft beer as well and today reese is going to be drinking something for us and critiquing it reese what are you going to be drinking for us today so i'm trying to branch out my reviews this this season for this week in craft beer I feel like last year I kind of ended on doing. So a now lot I'm of, doing a Keystone Light. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing Stone's latest beer, Stone Light. <laughs> oh, this is piney. Wait, no, this is the other Stone. Oh gosh, no. So I'm trying to focus right now on wilder and crazier beers. As our motto alluded to, I tried a cotton candy IPA on my birthday just because you're not gonna not try a cotton candy IPA. It yeah, was a collaboration. Sure. It's a taster. Why not? Yeah, dude. It was a collaboration between City Barrel, Love Them, and Four Hands Out of St. Louis. Also great oh, breweries. Perfect. Like, you're going to yeah. try it. Uh, so today, <laughs> this can caught my eye. I was at the pairing in the crossroads. Shout out to the pairing in front of the podcast. Pairing's great. 
And uh, this is from Torn Label, Eternal Yam Nation, an imperial brown ale with sweet potatoes, cinnamon, brown sugar, and vanilla. What? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> wait, wait. I have to process what you just said. Okay, so it's a double brown. It's an imperial brown ale, which I don't know if I've ever heard of a double brown ale. That's quite impressive on its own then sweet potatoes yep i i mean, that's kind of what caught my eye too is that i've seen some sweet potato stouts you know th- it, this isn't the first one of its kind but you know this is kind of something that i'm seeing more and more breweries playing around with i have never seen in the denver or colorado beer scene a sweet potato beer this is new to me i am excited dude I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to crack this bad boy open. So as I do Armando, uh, just, <laughs> yeah, just, just, uh, walk our patrons through. How do we review beers <laughs> on this show? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we have one, two, three, four, five. We have six different categories that we rate our beers and the categories are as follows. We have aroma, which is how does the beer smell, appearance, how does the beer look, flavor, of course we know what that is, mouthfeel, how does the beer feel in your mouth, light, heavy, or other things, uh, aftertaste, does it taste a little different from that initial uh, that initial taste when you are you know in the back of your mouth, how, is, it, is there any other flavors that you get? And then our last one is our stonks drinkability quotient which used to be called bdq but i think we may be changing it just to stonks drinkability for those of you that do not know what stonks are just go uh, go ahead and go on um google images look up stonks because uh reese kyle and i when we started this in 2019 we were all about the stonks and then afterward if reese has rated this beer um we haven't really quantified quantified this but if it's like averaging a 9.5 few tens in there um then we let reese decide whether this beer is on mount crushmore and for those who don't don't know what mount crushmore is it is the top fountain city sports media beers just like mount rushmore uh currently we think we have four beers on there uh reese kyle and i respectively have done i don't know how many almost a hundred beer reviews now, right? Because yeah, we're almost pretty at hundred episodes. Um, so a lot of beer. So we've kind of narrowed it down to about four, but so we'll see after this beer review, will Reese think it's good enough to be on Mount Crushmore state? You have to listen all the way through to find out. But before we do that, Reese, what is the aroma on this beer? And we rate it zero to 10 and you can do the Dewey decimal system as well from our friend, no Metzger. Metzger metric system, baby. Shout out. So it's definitely malt forward. I get a whole bunch of uh, sweet notes on there. Kind of not too dissimilar, actually, to what I usually smell on Dunkles, if you can picture that, that yeasty maltiness going Mm -hmm. on there. I don't get a whole lot of cinnamon or vanilla on the nose, but I do think I get kind of the vegetative root thing going on that you're getting from the sweet potatoes. So like root beer, not not like root beer, or birch beer, whatever they call it out on the East Coast. So. <laughs> I'm just making fun of you because you said root beer the last time we talked. Oh, yeah. Root beer. Um, so I'm going to give this one an inoffensive 7.5 out of 10 on aroma. 
All right, 7.5 on aroma. And do you smell any sweet potato or just that root smell you said? Like I said, just kind of that that root smell of, you know, there's like something vegetative in there. Fair. Okay, cool. So we got aroma, 7.5. Now appearance, Reese, how does that look? Does it look like one big ball of um of sweet potato? Doesn't look like that from here. Well, here's the funny thing. So when I opened the can, it started foaming right away. So I got a lot of head on this beer, but it's a very... Uh, foamy head, very rolling, not super uniform, which is totally fine. That's not a knock. Uh, the beer itself is actually darker than I thought. This is an extremely dark brown, not like black or charcoal in the sense of a stout, hmm. but almost darker than some stouts I've seen because I can't even see through the glass. I mean, you're, you're seeing that, right? Yep. Yeah, so a beautiful caramel colored head to it. Uh, I'm going to give this appearance of the beer. Let's give it a 7.8. All right. 7.8. Not bad. Now our favorite category flavor. Reese, how does that taste? Tell us all the flavors you taste, or is it just one prominent one? You got seven different things for tasting. That's different. That's fun. Hmm. And Get that's started. what Reese is trying to be in season three. Fun and different. Yeah. Sorry. I just, as I started talking, it's like more flavor just rolled out. Okay. This is really cool. So at first, it's a very unassuming first sip. Uh, you don't get, you got a lot of malt and not a whole bunch after that. But uh, right as I kind of let it unravel a little bit, I got a whole bunch of what I can only describe as kind of a, a sweet potato s'mores pie sort of vibe to it, which I think is suitable because there's sweet potatoes and obviously marshmallows on the can because that's what, you know, yams and sweet potato casserole are. Uh, I get a lot of char on this, which I really like my beer. I like char that's there, but not too overwhelming. I don't get a whole bunch of the cinnamon and vanilla. I'm going to give it one last sip. They're not really prevalent. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Delicious tasting beer. Fun. I'm going to give this an 8.9 on flavor. Oh, cool. So what I'm getting, what I'm gathering is there really isn't a lot of sweet in this beer. It is very prominently, like you said, char, more rooty, more, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very vegetative again without being like, I'm drinking a smoothie kind of thing. But it, it tastes like sweet potatoes and not artificial sweet potato flavoring, not a bunch of the spices that you get in sweet potatoes. So your mind goes to sweet potatoes. No, this, in a way, I'll review this beer later on here, but Crane Brewing makes a beet vice that legitimately tastes like the best part of beets without being like, ew, I'm drinking vegetables. I think Torn Labels managed to do that <laughs> with sweet potatoes in this huh. Imperial Brown Ale. Interesting. Oh, pretty cool. All right, so we have good remarks on flavor. Now, mouthfeel, Reese. Is it heavy? Is it light? Is it both? Because it's interesting because I would I would think that this, the sweet potato is heavy, but also a brown ale is light, but it's imperial. So, it, yeah, it could be a ton of things. What do you think, Reese? You know, a surprisingly sparkling mouthfeel, considering you don't see a whole lot of carbonation anywhere in the glass and the head doesn't replenish itself that much. So that's that's not too bad of a thing, to be honest. For being a 10% beer, this also has a very light mouthfeel to it. Not the absolute lightest, but just in terms of the body of it, I've had much heavier, much uh, more cloying mouthfeels than this has. So for that reason, I like beers that feel and drink lighter than they actually are. It's kind of like when people are like, oh, I love... 
I love guys like DK Metcalf who are like six foot seven but still run like they're five foot seven. So <laughs> I'm gonna give mouthfeel on this a nine point two. I think that's a really good mouthfeel. Which is interesting because you give the beer nine point two, but you would never give DK Metcalf a nine point two. Because his beer has better hands than DK Metcalf. <laughs> And we move on. I just tease Reese because I know he doesn't like him. Uh, aftertaste. What is the aftertaste, Reese? Any other flavors you get that you didn't initially get on the front end that you now get on the back end? This is probably the most exciting aftertaste of beers had since maybe Heady Topper for me. Whoa. Just because, like I said, what's funny is it really does smell like a dunkel. And then sipping it, it kind of drinks like a dunkel. You got that bready malty sweetness to it and when i breathed out a couple times suddenly i was washed over with this wave of char and sweet potato and marshmallow and smoke and that's so fun and that pertains to every sip following it's kind of malty sweetness going down give it a breath out or two and suddenly it's like sweet potato s'more smoke going on so honestly that's what i love i love two-pronged tastes in my beers this beer is a fine example of it so i'm gonna give aftertaste a 9.8 Woo! high high remarks for reese aka bach lesnar aka the yeast monster and last but not least we have stonks drinkability quotient reese what is the stonks level on this beer I mean, this beer's got a lot of stonks going for it. I'll show you the can art. So you have uh, what looks like sweet potato demons fighting marshmallow souls oh. or demons. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty dope. I love that's the can awesome. art. Uh, that's I love, great can art. I love the concept that it's a sweet potato imperial brown ale because that's unique without being gimmicky. Uh, I think a little bit of what I can only assume is an Easter egg is that the beer is 9.99% alcohol by volume, which if you flip that upside down is... Ah, yeah, the other so, thing. So, you know, I think I think that's clever marketing. So all things considered, there are a lot of stonks going on in this beer. This is exactly what I hoped it would be in terms of getting a unique beer. So I'm going to give this a 9.1 on stonks drinkability quotient. All right, pretty solid beer review all around. Uh, obviously, an A plus or ten beer review from Reese individually, uh, but a lot of great things from this beer. That's really cool. I hope I get to try that one time. Hope it's still there at that shop that you go to. What's the sorry? What's the liquor store again? The pairing. The pairing. I hope the pairing is still has it when I head out there. Um, okay, Reese. From what I heard, though, I don't know if this makes uh, Mount Crushmore. I'm gonna su- assume no. Unfortunately not. It's a it's a great beer, but you know, there have been great running backs that aren't Barry Sanders. A lot of career running backs that aren't Barry Sanders, you know. You that does, just cuz you're not Barry Sanders doesn't mean you're a bad running back. Again, like I said, we have maybe four of them on Mount Crushmore out of almost 100 beers and for those of you that do math, that's 4% of beers that make it on there. So, even though you're not the 4%, you're still a good beer. 
All right, excellent beer review, Reese. Stay tuned for more beer reviews as we are going to have a lot of great stuff. Not only that, but we're hopefully going to have on a lot of uh, brewers for season three and brewers from Colorado, brewers from Kansas City, um, so that you can hear more about the beer industry from people in the beer industry and also hear about these really awesome breweries. So stay tuned on that. And now we're going to talk about Orlando Brown. gentlemen we are back from an excellent beer review by reese aka bach lesnar um it was cool because we've never done a sweet potato imperial brown ale on this podcast and seemed to be pretty cool and i look forward to looking for things like that in the liquor store and i hope you all do too so hit us up and on uh, found city sm on all our platforms to see uh, hey i'm at the liquor store what should i get what are some cool beers out there uh, and we'll help you out because we love to pick good beers for good friends. Um, not only do we have good friends, but we got good players on the Kansas City Chiefs. And one of them, I think, one of them we have is Orlando Brown. And the Chiefs have placed a non-exclusive franchise tag on Orlando Brown. And I was just reading up on it, Reese. Do you know what non-exclusive franchise tag means? I had... I just knew the franchise tag is like when you hit someone with it, you have to pay them. It's like the average of the top 10 highest salaries of that position on that given year. Yeah. Yeah. That, but then this is a little bit different and and this may be nothing, but uh, in the article that I'm looking at, they're diving into it and I'm like, this is weird. So non-exclusive franchise tag franchise tag means that um, he's free to negotiate with other teams fine if another team makes brown an offer kansas city has the right to match that offer and then they retain him okay cool then if the chiefs choose not to match it uh, brown may be signed by the other team but it gives kansas city two of its first round draft picks in compensation really i've, I've never heard of that before i don't think I've heard it. Wait, you get whose first round draft picks? The other teams? Yes. So, yeah, uh, it will give Kansas City two of its first round draft picks in compensation. That's interesting. Which I mean, makes me think no one is going to no one is going to offer no Orlando Brown anything. There's no way that you would give that. It's like who who would give you two first round draft picks for a franchise tag player? Like obviously for Russell Wilson, uh, yeah, like <laughs> like a Russell Wilson kind of guy, like a quarterback maybe that you really really have to have. Uh, like my guess is like Dak Prescott. Someone may have given like two firsts for a franchise tag, yeah. Dak Prescott. Uh, maybe a wide receiver who's gonna ask for a lot of money, but you don't want to pay him, but someone else will. But other than that, it's like. I don't think there's any player really that warrants two first round draft picks. Yeah. Very strange. All to say that I doubt anyone is going to try to offer him anything. Orlando Brown is our left tackle. So Reese instant reaction. What are your thoughts on this? Do you like it? Did you want to go another way in this position? Um, Yeah. What's your reaction? I think it's the right call. I think Orlando Brown's not a liability anymore. He started off last season a little slow, but he started to get more comfortable and get his legs under him as the season went on. I think 
in regards to after this franchise tag year is out, whether or not we keep him is going to depend on the price tag he thinks he warrants and what we can pay. I think at the current salary cap level, which I know they bumped up north of $200 million, I think he's worth... 15 million, a rich 16 million a year for three or four years. I don't think he's someone that you couldn't tag, trade, and make some picks to move up higher in the draft to draft a younger replacement for him. I don't think he's a generational talent. I think he's a good left tackle. What do you think? Yeah, no, um, I'm going off of not on the tape, but I'm going off of what other people say about Orlando Brown. Look, we are a a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans, so I'm not going to say that I am the like alpha and omega when it comes to analysis. Uh, but I will trust the people that that do do this for a living and spend 24 seven on uh, analyzing Seth Kaiser uh, is one of the guys that I really trust when it comes to breaking down film and, and what, you know, anything that he says, I normally agree with. And one of the things that he's been really prominent about this entire season is how or- or- Orlando Brown um, we focus on the negatives of Orlando Brown because that's what we see, but we only see them a percentage of the time. So, for example, uh, uh, a blown sack. For example, last year he had he allowed four sacks. Okay, those four sacks were major and things that we talked about a lot. Um, but Seth Kaiser, Seth Kaiser's argument is that if you look at everything else that he does correctly, right? So if it's four sacks in the year, you look at all the other seven hundred snaps that he's done. He actually is quite dominant on that side of the field. And you also saw a curve from game seven or whenever the Chiefs kind of turned their season. You saw a big shift in how Orlando Brown was playing the left tackle position. Um, And you also, um, I think what's cool about Seth as well is Seth will post different videos of things that we normally don't see. For example, if Patrick Mahomes, you know, throws (laughs) is rolling left, throws to his right. We're looking at that, but Seth Kyler's looking at what is Orlando Brown doing? Um, so he showed some of those things and he's just, he's pancaking the hell out of, out of some really top notch defenders. So I'm actually super excited because of those films. Um, but also, uh, people on the chief staff love Orlando Brown. Now, sometimes we shouldn't trust the Kansas City Chiefs staff on who they love because they also love Ben Neiman. They also love Dan Sorensen. All to say, though, um, they love him not only because of how he is as a person, but they also love his growth already that he's had. So I'm looking at Orlando Brown to maybe not be the most improved player in the 2022 season, um, but he's definitely going to be up there for me. I'm looking for a big leap from Orlando Brown. I love this for us. Um, I'm crossing my fingers that he is the left tackle of the future. You know, I think he definitely has uh, the potential to be left tackle of the future, and I think he still has a lot of room for growth. I mean, the dude's a physical specimen. He's huge. He's strong. He's obviously very smart playing the left tackle and the right tackle position. That's not easy to do. I think one thing that would really help his case in the offseason is I, I think he could stand to shed some weight, if I'm being honest. I think his feet are a little slow. He's a little slow to react, particularly in pass pro. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I think the dude could stand to lose some weight. I mean, I know he's huge. He's six foot eight, but he's currently six eight, three forty four. 
the average NFL left, uh, yeah, the average NFL left tackle is closer to about six five six six, somewhere in the ballpark of three fifteen to three twenty five. I think even if he shed fifteen pounds and could get down to three thirty, I think you'd see even that much more quickness in him. Heck, I, I think if he was down to three twenty five to three thirty, I think that'd be the, the golden ratio where you suddenly have this just you know literal Zeus manhandling guys. And being that much quicker on his first step to guard Patrick Mahomes' blind side. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's something that I brought up a little bit last year, but we should definitely have a conversation during the offseason about it. That the that the defensive line position is changing and people's bodies in those positions are changing. One, people are getting smaller and quicker. Like we look at um no, actually no. I think people look a little bit leaner, like Micah Parsons, for example, right, is this new prototypical defensive lineman who like isn't fat, right? He's he's huge, but he's not he's not big like um, like Nindamika Sue or Aaron Donald. He's this slim type of guy that you can see playing the linebacker position um, and is incredibly speedy. We just saw uh, the uh, draft combine Jordan Davis from Georgia, 300 some pounds, but he ran a four, 4.6. I mean, that position is totally changing too. So to your argument, we definitely need then maybe not a slimmer guy, but a way more athletic guy on the offensive line, uh, which luckily we have in Creed, we have in Tooney, we have in Trey Smith, like, boy, are we spoiled at least in the middle. Um, so yeah, I think that position's changing and that definitely needs to be addressed. I, I think you got, I think you got a good point there going with the size of the dudes you're seeing lining up on the defensive line. Now, you know, the, the days of having to be William, the refrigerator Perry size, you know, to, to really bear down on guys is, it's kind of different. You know, both lines seem to be getting trimmer, leaner, and meaner. And as you pointed out, you have guys like Micah Parsons who are cut in the same mold as Khalil Mack. I think both are about 6'3", 245. But they're outside linebackers that are being used primarily more, essentially, as extra D linemen to get those blitzes on them. I mean, right. even back when we had D Ford, he was technically a defensive end. But again, looking here, he's 6'2", about 255 pounds. So he's just, you know, a few more LBs over the size of a Micah Parsons or a Khalil Mack. You're seeing a lot of teams trending that direction these days. So you have to be able to keep up with the speed and tenacity of these lean, mean, outside linebacker blitzing machines. Absolutely, yeah. And hopefully he can be that answer. Uh, we'll have to do another podcast about who's going to be on that right side. Uh, because the jury is still out on Lucas Niang. Uh, and, of course, we're going to talk about draft stuff and other things like that. Before we call it a night throw, though, Reese, um, anything else that you want to add to um, the topics that we've talked about? Um, no, I mean, this this won't be the last time we talk about Russell Wilson this offseason, so you're ready to hear a bunch about uh, I'm that. Sure. Uh, you know, Orlando Brown will not be the only what do the Chiefs do in terms of signing player that we talked about this offseason. And, uh, yeah, get ready for a whole bunch of what you didn't expect us to talk about this offseason because it's going to be good.
It's going to be great, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Next week, we're probably going to talk a little bit more free agency, um, not only as to who we are looking at, but what's going to happen, right? The jury is still out on Tyron Matthew, Charvarius Ward, and some other people that I hope we keep. So stay tuned. We're going to break down all of that and talk about some wide receivers that we like because both Reese and I agree we need a wide receiver too. Um, a lot of questions still need to be filled, even though this is the offseason for Chiefs. We're just getting started. But not only that, Kansas City fans, we're going to be talking. Hopefully, we can talk Royals soon. And you know what? Even if we can't talk Royals soon, we got a ton of craft beer. We also have some rogue episodes. We might talk NBA. We might talk wrestling. We might talk What If podcast. Who knows? But stay tuned, Kansas City. We are happy to be back. We are locked and loaded season three. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at fountaincitysportsmedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. <laughs>